Descending through the dark hallway, the world around you shifts and shudders as reality reforms itself, and you find yourself as an at sign. You're surrounded by dots, and instinctively knowing that you can move through them, you step to the east. A monster, or symbol, moves towards you. Panicking, you run west, but the monster pursues, matching your pace. Finally exhausted, you stop to catch your breath, only to find the monster itself has also stopped. How's it going, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Soapstone. My name is Jake. I am joined by my co-host, as always, Dave. How's it going tonight, Dave? Peachy. Peaches, yeah. <laughs> uh, that's good. Uh, tonight, as some of you may have picked up from our intro, we are going to be talking about roguelike games. Rogue and roguelike accessories. Yes. Exactly that. <laughs> um so we wanted to we wanted to open with the uh, the granddaddy to kick them all off the original rogue, which uh, I know I I probably played once online like a flash based version, but I doubt I've ever seen it other than that. Yeah, I think I might have hit it up once accidentally in DOS days. Yeah, like this came out a decade before I was born or so, so I feel like I'm not too responsible. I'm not on the hook for that one. <laughs> no. And it's not something you really need to go back and play, but it is interesting to see where other games have drawn inspiration from it, mm. where you have like the separate rooms and how things get redrawn as it as you move. Yeah, as you're, as you're kind of working your way through the world. Because that's the only way they knew how to code it at the time. <laughs> <laughs> just frame by frame. Just like a, uh, what is it, a game of life type thing, right? Yeah. You just redraw the whole world. Um, so we're going to talk about some of the roguelikes that we like to play. But the uh, mechanics that they have all came from this original Rogue. Uh, Rogue was a dungeon delving game where you played as presumably an adventurer, but in reality an at sign. Uh, And every time you moved from space to space, the world would update. Monsters would get closer to you. You would see uh, more of the map. Um, You maybe go through a door or something like that. Um, And it had this kind of like classic RPG focus. Uh, where you'd be like collecting uh, gear. It was just text, right? It was just like have a journal or something. It was all text. Yes. It was the shittiest text-based thing, but it had a UI technically, which yeah. was, I don't want to say revolutionary, but a big fucking change. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was like ASCII text, kind of like a mud or something else uh, from those times. Um, but they had the classic dungeon delving experience. You fight monsters, try not to die, uh, get magical items, armor, weapons, scrolls, things like that. And... Um, like, uh, the interesting premise here was they didn't necessarily, they didn't have save points. If you died, it was permadeath. You had to start over. Um, so it was all how far you could get in one playthrough. Yeah. And that was the defining kind of characteristic of, of rogue for the, it's time. And it's something that later games have played off of. Right. Yeah. But at least thankfully later games have learned the lesson of having some progression through death. So maybe the further you go, you can like unlock some content. So for your next playthrough, you have access to it. Exactly. So you don't feel like you're just doing the same thing over and over and getting nothing out of it. Dota 2. <laughs> that's fair. Yeah, that's, the, that's one of the key modern elements is meta progression. The ability to feel like you're working towards something, even, uh, even if you didn't beat the game on the first pass. So um, a game like Rogue would have an ending, and modern roguelikes often have endings, but that would usually constitute completing a run now if you make it all the way through yeah 
And certain things are kind of geared against you where you specifically have to grind out and make enough progression exactly to beat certain bosses or reach certain checkpoints. The game is designed to be played through multiple runs. Um, Rogue was kind of like if you started out uh, on your first run, technically you had all of the advantages you would have starting out on your 700th run, right? Like you had the same chance to make it all the way to the end. Modern roguelike games, since we've all played Call of Duty and things like that and we want our perks, uh, <laughs> give you uh, that meta progression so that you have a better chance of succeeding in your later runs. Um, as well as the knowledge of how to actually play the game, which usually yeah. helps get you there. Essentially just appealing to the male power fantasy. Yeah. A.K.A. video games. Yeah, I think that's, that's pretty accurate. Before you lies two pathways. One, a door encrusted with various gems, alabaster in hue, and pristine as if untouched by time. A cold wind blows from beyond. The other, a portcullis, with a darkly robed figure standing to the side. Two ruby glints shine forth from beneath his hooded visage. I'm going to go through the portcullis route. The one on the right. You have chosen Rogue Legacy. Yay, Rogue Legacy. Uh... So, I like that game. Yeah. Uh, I played a little bit of Rogue Legacy, not nearly as much as everyone I know, but uh, I think it, it's a very different game from the original Rogue, from what I understand of it. Yeah. So the format's really different in nature. It's more of a side-scrolling beat-em-up. Uh, you can essentially... You start out with the game, you just have like a sword and shield, you kind of go in and storm the castle, and then you get killed by some stuff and die. <laughs> But then you can choose from your among your descendants who will succeed you. Right. And each of them will have different traits. Certain things they're better at, certain things they're worse at. Mm -hmm. Maybe they'll have gigantism or blindness or some other or effect. Gay. Yeah. <laughs> I remember gay being one of them. It's not a bad thing though. No, uh, no, no, no. That's actually the best trait. No, that's... <laughs> so you essentially go through and you get access to abilities you can use, but each time uh, one of your descendants dies mm -hmm. you take your accrued money and you can use it to unlock upgrades for more health damage and other things so you're getting money uh, like looting throughout the whole the whole yeah. the whole shebang and as you go you can progress into harder areas of the castle mm -hmm. the castle itself is randomly generated rooms right there's still like a kind of designated area to the north or sorry just up i guess vertically up yeah vertically down and off to the right mm -hmm. but Within each of those are still randomly generated rooms, and then eventually you'll find the boss room. And you have to beat each of the bosses to then go and face the final boss. I think I died at the first boss that I encountered. How, how many bosses does the game actually have? I think in total it's just four. Yeah. But they start off at like a, a pretty steep difficulty curve. This is kind of what we were talking about before, where you can't first run do it unless yeah. you are truly god tier, in which case... Hats off to you. <laughs> Not that I wear a hat. Right. Because so. of how pressed I am, impressed I am for you. Right. I just always have my hat in my hands. It is a functionally worthless hat. <laughs> just here for the token gesture. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a... Uh, it's, as we said, it's a very different game to the original Rogue, but it incorporates so many of those core principles of uh, modern roguelikes. Uh, that constant progression, building... Um, I think there's like a smithy or something else you can construct outside of the castle between your lives yeah. with your money. Um, 
and kind of like upgrading each of your character classes from your descendants. You're like, oh, my mage is going to be more magey and <laughs> or whatever, had more health, something like that. Um, and I think that one also benefits a lot from personal skill. Uh, I say this because I'm terrible at the game, <laughs> but I've seen other people do well, so <laughs> I'm going to assume that skill comes into play. So, um, A lot of it is just learning some of the mechanics because mm -hmm. it's wazzed for your movement pretty much yeah or if you're doing a controller it's analog yeah but there are some platforming pieces but usually it's more dodging enemy attacks and projectiles yeah so if you're kind of comfortable with platforming but bad at other things you can do what i do <laughs> um, where i just kind of go again the sword and board route just straight hit them with a stick until they die yeah and sometimes because you can control how high you jump, and you can control yourself in midair, kind of like Mega Man. Oh, okay, like hold the button or joystick or what have you. Yeah. So you can use that to like make at range attacks that you want. Yeah. Without putting yourself in harm's way, or maybe hitting people through the floor, or other things. Oh, gotcha! Like clipping through and stuff. Yeah. Okay. So it controls very tightly, which is very nice. Mm -hmm. It's pretty much necessary if you have like a good platformer, right? Yeah. <laughs> bad controls in the platformer makes a bad platformer, as it turns out. But we don't want to talk about Mighty Number no. 9 right oh, now. Oh, Next episode. <laughs> Another one of the cool things you can do in the game as, as you're progressing and exploring more of the areas you get access to, you can get these unlockables. So maybe you'll get mm. boots where you can jump twice or you can get lifesteal on your weapon. Right. Because typically you're starting out with just your base health pool and mana pool and you don't really have a way to get that back so much unless you find food or a mana potion right which again might be in a chest somewhere you might get it from an enemy you've got like a basic equipment you're armed with a weapon of some sort <laughs> what's your weapon it's a sword <laughs> what's it do sword things <laughs> One of the things I liked about the gigantism feature mm -hmm. is it just made your character bigger. So you also had like a big ass sword. Yeah. And like, interesting. So I'd use that extra range and just wail on enemies as best I could while kind of like doing micro jumps to get out of bullet range. I think I actually had gigantism on one of my characters and like your hitbox is bigger too. That was the trick, right? Like, yes. You're just like a walking wall for projectiles. Uh, there were some other traits in there too. There was like... Um, something messed with your vision i don't recall exactly what it was um but i think another one like messed up with your controls as well there's like a whole bunch of things that just could possibly make your yeah. choice poor but the variety made it fun in a way yeah so you weren't like this is my optimal build every time you're mm -hmm. like this is my optimal build but I, i'm really slow <laughs> yeah you have to work around it which is nice you're like maybe you only see in black and white but the character's gay, so you're going to pick him anyways. <laughs> <laughs> I still think my ideal thing was trying to get gear where if I killed an enemy, I got health and mana back. Right. So I could just fill sustain. that engine of sustain. Yeah. And then if you can get a some ability where you have a projectile to help out with things that are ranged. Mm -hmm. It's not one of the bosses is flying and... Fuck him. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, I think lifesteal is my favorite effect in games. I think just any game that gives me a lifesteal weapon, that's 
it's basically it yeah i will for any type of rpg build out passives before i build out actives yeah oh yeah uh the music also really big in rogue legacy it um, is so good it's got like your standard uh standard arrangement of exploration music kind of darker castle themes things like that but um they're all keeping in theme with the game like it's this, this pixel vertical uh you know side scroller um and it really just ties the whole thing together. I don't know all of the songs because, like I said, I'm terrible. <laughs> and I, I heard that there was like a jukebox or something you could get to to like play some music, but I've never seen it because I'm terrible. But but hey, you at least have listened to the soundtrack on Spotify, right? Or YouTube? Maybe. <laughs> Actually, I don't think so. I don't think I've ever listened to the entire thing. I'll go back you. and do that. Yeah, we'll just put this. We'll just put the OST in here. Yeah, <laughs> the rest of the podcast. I'm just gonna be music from the game. Probably not though. Before you lies another set of two doors. One, a hazy crimson beacon beneath a skull with goat horns and framed by two sinewy spinal columns. You feel the sadness of others who have crossed through. And the other door is wooden. I'll take the evil door. You have chosen Binding of Isaac. The first game, Afterbirth, Rebirth, Antibirth? All, all of them. It's, There's a lot of birth. It's kind of like the blanket. All I know is the game's about birth. <laughs> Isaac. Isaac! <laughs> I'm yeah. so glad we timed that and we didn't actually work on that. Yeah, no, that was definitely not pre-planned. Um, the... <laughs> Let's keep on the table. Yeah, that's fine. Just It's fine. Keep hitting the table. Yeah. Uh... So Isaac is more to the to the original in a way, uh, the original Rogue. You got that top-down view. You can move in multiple directions. Although it's not strictly up, down, uh, left or right, right. Like you've got more freedom of movement than that. Um, yeah, you don't have to strictly do cardinal directions. You can move around. Yeah. Though usually you do have WASD as your control scheme. Yeah. Thematically, though, I think the story is the same. So. <laughs> <laughs> I did not realize how much this game actually took inspiration from the original Legend of Zelda. Mm -hmm. Just the way they have certain enemies or mechanics in the game or other references they make. I can see that. And it's all very... It's all room-based. Right. So you start out in a central room, and it's always randomly generated, but you do have constant floors. You can unlock more the further you get. But you're just a kid who's crying, and that is his projectile to hit enemies. Right, yeah. That's not how I remember Link, but, you know, it's been a while. <laughs> it's dangerous to, to go alone and take these tears. <laughs> so I took the tears from the old man. <laughs> God damn it, old man. <laughs> no, it's, uh, Isaac is, uh, first time I saw Isaac is I was a little bit thrown off, I think, by uh, the theming. I was like, this seems like a rather macabre title of sorts. Um, also literally titled The Binding of Isaac, which, you know, I mean, I get the biblical implication, obviously, yeah. but it's not happy. Um, I, I think it wasn't until after I knew that you were playing it and you were talking about it that I was like, oh, okay, this is a video game. <laughs> yeah, back when I played it. Yeah, yeah <laughs> so long ago. <laughs> This is... What was that? An hour? <laughs> this is one of those games where the the hours on it are insanely high, partially because I would just leave the game running, right? but also because I have sunk so much time into this game mm-hmm. because of how much you can do with it, and it's also a nice 
I can watch something on monitor two and play this and monitor one because yeah. I'm I've played it so fucking much <laughs> from like the original to I think Afterbirth Plus. Though I should go back to Antibirth, like you mentioned. That is a mm-hmm. a nice version that somebody made. But I've just unlocked so much as I've gone on and it's just really fun to play and I got used to a lot of the mechanics. Right. You're still, acclimated to the game at this point. Yeah. Yeah. But they still will keep adding things to it. Right. Which is always impressive. Yeah, I was gonna say, like, for for how much you've played this game, uh, like I host D and D occasionally. Like I host board games and things. I know that you've rolled a D six way more than I have. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh I didn't realize they were still passionate the game. That's uh that's actually kind of interesting. Yeah, I actually does Platinum God keep up with it? <sighs> probably not as much as it should <laughs> platinum god is a website where it has like hey here are all the items in the game and how they interact and what they do because in the game it doesn't have descriptions for things that you unlock you just kind of have to figure it out and you're right. like hey how does um this weapon type a interact with weapon type b you fucking try and find out yeah exactly because it but has the synergies. good guys at platinum god have uh, logged everything yeah Sorry, I'm distracted by fireworks out the window. This is... Right, that's part of the podcast. This is August. What the hell? I'm not sure if they're going to come through or not. T- taking it back to the, the start here for what uh, Binding of Isaac is. As you play as Isaac, who is this young boy, as you mentioned, and go level by level, uh, deeper and deeper and deeper into what is ostensibly his own personal torment or hell. <laughs> yeah. Heaven, maybe, if you get low enough. <laughs> and uh, uh, collect items as you go usually start off with one like really early and uh you were talking about the synergies like a lot of these items can have and more than any other game uh that's what i think of when i think of binding of isaac is the synergies to the items oh my god certain ones have become so innate to me but then there are certain things i find i'm like i want to try this i don't know what this is yeah even after all the time i've played because as you go you can get things which uh, give you passive abilities maybe it's more health Mm -hmm. maybe your tears will be faster deal more damage or have some other effect with them right but you can also get active items which will charge over time per room right. that you clear mm-hmm. and you can use those abilities the one that jake mentioned is the d6 which allows you to re-roll any pedestal items in a room right and pedestal items you can get from treasure rooms and it could be another active item or it could be a passive item mm-hmm. but it'll let you essentially pray to rngs and hope for a different one and hopefully it's something good that you can use yeah now the uh the pedestal items are some of the coolest things in the game because you completely could change the way that you're approaching the game this is essentially like a north south east west type game where you're moving from room to room pathing out the dungeon and working toward the exit which is like very very much rogue um but the items can completely change up the way your character plays. Usually you shoot like tears, which is your projectile weapon, but maybe you got an item that instead makes a giant laser beam, you know, that like fires out of your face and that's now your, <laughs> your projectile. Right. Um, and, uh, I remember one of my favorites was, uh, it gave me stompy, which oh, like, yeah. let me just break rocks early. They, they would usually block you. And there was le- early levels where, the rng would try to like block off treasure and things with rocks and now you can just stomp through the rocks instead of having to use something like a bomb to break through exactly and then rocks a lot of times have like beneficial items in them so i was a fan of anything that made my session easier um the game definitely has 
a lot of choices for how you can play it too, right? Like they have other characters other than Isaac you can play. Yeah, you can unlock up to... I'm going to throw out a random number without researching. 15? Yeah, yeah. that sounds right. <laughs> oh, cool, cool. <laughs> but like one can fly. Furiously updates Wikipedia <laughs> articles to say 15 characters. <laughs> um, Maggie allows you to like gain health. There's Blue Baby if you want more of a challenge who doesn't have any red hearts, which yeah. is usually what drops. And you can like recharge those like any other health in a game. Mm-hmm. Um, I think my favorite was a, a, a Zazel. Is that his name? Azriel? Azazel. Azazel, yeah. There's a lot of like demon sounding AZ names. That's very common. Well, Azazel is actually a demon. Right, yes. Um, and that was my favorite because even though he only had black hearts, which did not regenerate over time, uh, you couldn't pick up red hearts to refill your life. Uh, he could fly all the time and he had the laser as his default weapon. Yeah. So it wasn't a was full good. range laser, but it was yeah. still it was a baby insanely laser. broken. <laughs> It's super fun. And there's... I'm going to, again, pick another random number for the number of bosses. Mm -hmm. 35 to 40 different bosses. Mm -hmm. 36, yeah. Yeah, 36 exactly. (laughs) And, again, you unlock things as you go. So you don't start off with access to all of the items. You start with, like, a limited set. Right. But then as you go and complete, technically, challenges in the game, which are kind of hidden behind things like you wouldn't know going into it like an achievement or something yeah it's like oh this will now appear in the dungeon you're like oh okay right so you try and go hoping to find that thing like, oh what does this do mm-hmm. but as you go you can unlock other bosses and they'll kind of shuffle the pool of bosses so right. like floor one i've had really difficult bosses on the first floor mm-hmm. because it's like hey you've progressed enough you know what to do yeah and i was like fuck yeah, this is uh, this is taking it back for our listeners. This is taking us back to the concept of meta progression, which is one of the core features of modern roguelikes. Binding of Isaac does that entirely, unlocking the items as you're progressing, completing challenges. Um, I believe that the first time you clear the game, it actually won't take you to like the true end, if I remember correctly. Um, it just takes you far enough that you've unlocked future progress. So your next run, if you get to where you got in the first run, it'll actually continue, and you can keep running through that way. Um, on your first run, you can't get to like true Satan or whoever it is. Oh Something no, like Mega Satan! So your first um, one, I think you just have to beat Mom. Yeah, I believe that's right. So for the plot of the game, essentially your mom hears something on a Christian broadcast saying like your son is evil, or she hears from the voice of God. Yeah, that your son is evil and needs to like have his things taken away and he needs to be punished. And essentially, you need to become a sacrifice to God. Yes. So you kind of hear this from the other room, you're like. Fuck this. You go under like a trap door and into the basement. Yes. Which is where Isaac's story starts. And his story ends when you first beat Mom. Right. But after you beat Mom, you can go levels further. Yeah. Into facing Mom's heart. And then after you do that, you can face yourself. Yeah. Or you can go into hell. You can go into heaven. You can face Blue Baby or mm-hmm. Delirium if you go into the void. And a lot of that was added, like, post, oh, yeah. uh, post-launch. post They're talking about the additional content they've been adding to the game. They've tried to add more challenge to the game as time has gone on. Mm-hmm. Because people get used to certain things, like, oh, I'm going to do this. This is easy. Yeah. So they always try and up the ante. And a lot of times, like, Delirium is a bullet hell plus a lot of instant teleportation. Yeah. Which makes it really hard to dodge. It's kind of a pain in the ass. But hopefully at that point of the game, you have enough broken synergies where you can just shit on them. Yeah. It's all about like building your synergistic build 
that'll get you through the entire game. That's like yeah. the the name of progression in Isaac, um, which I think is super fun. The the developers also understood that one of the core features of a roguelike is replayability, and I played like a little bit, and eventually I found out that. Uh, you can restart the game at any point by just holding R on PC, which is the yeah. reset button. So you're just like, if you walk into that first pedestal room and you don't like your item, you just restart. Just restart. It's like you're not going to have a better time than now. Pardon me. Might as well do it. And uh, it's, it's got this whole speedrunning community, everything built around it. Um, obviously, if they're running speedruns, they don't run RNG. They'll use like a pre-gen seed. Yeah, and then they'll just have a speed run for that particular seed. So all of the items will be the same, the rooms will be the same, things like that. But um, it's just it's really cool. Talking about Binding of Isaac kind of makes me want to play it. It's been a long time, but you should rejoin the community. It's, it's good stuff. <laughs> no, it's it's very solid, and uh, is a true roguelike in all of the 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 senses of the term. Another thing I appreciate about Binding of Isaac, which is different from a lot of other things is you actually have a projectile Mm -hmm. so you shoot out but it also has momentum with it so if you're strafing and shooting right your cheers will go at a bit of an angle right and that comes into play a lot of times if you're trying to like hit things around a corner a little bit right i think that was my favorite scene in wanted when he shot his (laughs) tear around the corner take out that guy i mean you joke but that is an effect you can do you can get like loop-de-loop tears yes that was not one of my favorites (laughs) Oh man! I think that one of the most fun and terrifying things, a uh, praise be to RNGs, is first off, uh-huh. is when you get an item like a D4. It allows you to re-roll all of your items into a separate set of items from those respective pools. Chaos mode, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So you might have something like really good, and you're like, "Well, let's roll the dice and see what happens." Yeah. And then you get something really shitty, yeah. and now you deal no damage, and you're like, "Fuck!" <laughs> or if you pick up one item that just completely kneecaps your thing yeah because you thought it was going to work in a certain way and it just fucked you over you've got like all of these damage modifiers on whatever your primary attack is and then it like changes it up into a knife or something where nothing applies yeah yeah now there's there's a lot of fun ways to uh, to go about binding of isaac and then that varied experience is really uh core to a successful roguelike um and probably the reason I'd assume, I'm making assumptions about your character here, Dave, but I'd assume the reason you've sunk so much time into it is because each experience can have can play out vastly different ways. Oh, um, yeah. I'll say I'm definitely, I have an issue with, um, it's the law of diminishing returns. So for me, if I see a movie, I typically don't want to rewatch the movie because I'm not going to get the same level of experience I had when I first watched it and got to experience it. So in the same way with games, I'll typically not replay a game unless I give it like a couple of years so I can nostalgically re-experience it. Right. It's nice to be able to just pick up and get that fresh thing every time. Right. And also, I can make it my way. <laughs> and it's got that, that core refreshing uh, kind of experience where um, the mechanics are solid enough that the way that the game uh, builds it up... Uh, designs the world throws items at you things like that that experience itself is fun enough to carry the game it is the game so that's good that it's fun enough to carry it i was uh, thinking earlier that like a, a programmer would love a roguelike title they'd love to work on a roguelike title because 
um, designing like all of this writing and content and dialogue and all of this um, that can make for a great narrative experience you know some of the best narrative games have been linear um, but ideally what you could do is make a system that designs all that content for you and people are still going to play it a ton and they're going to have a lot of fun with it and that's the core of this procedural generation that so many roguelikes use that being said i'm curious what's behind that other door that wooden door so i'm going to go back over there i'm going to kick that thing down as you use your mighty hooves <laughs> to cook down kick cook down to kick down the door <laughs> this was delicious <laughs> as you use your mighty hooves your powerful feet with four toes on each foot to kick mm. down the door uh-huh. you stun any enemies behind the door up to 15 feet because that's how the game mechanic works Wh- which game mechanic do <laughs> the game mechanic for dead cells Whew, transition <laughs> oh we did it <laughs> got him <laughs> boys Whew. i wasn't really sure we we're gonna be able to pull that one off but i think everyone fell for it <laughs> dead cells is a different game though De- yeah dead cells is is uh, more recent than some of these when did that was probably only like a year or two ago that Dead Cells actually came yeah, out. Yeah, it's fairly recent, and it's been blowing up pretty big. Um, uh, got on it, the net. Got it on beta, <laughs> yeah. or just something early, so it sounds like I'm a fucking hipster. Yeah, early access. Yeah, and they, <laughs> they've changed the game since then, but it started out solid, and they've only really made it better ever since. It would have been funny if you took that in the other direction. <laughs> it started off really great, good. and it's it's progressively become shit. <laughs> But Jake, how would you describe Dead Cells? Dead Cells takes the progression of a Metroidvania and integrates it into this procedurally generated action roguelite that has you slowly chipping away at its steep difficulty. I'm not disagreeing with you, but I want to rephrase that slightly. It takes the progression system of a Metroidvania and transforms it into a procedurally generated action roguelite. I think I like your description better. Uh, Dead Cells is a solid side-scroller. Uh, with all of these roguelike mechanics where uh, you're almost guaranteed to die fighting your way through it. Um, but they have plenty of upgrades, and the action is, uh, I will say, full of action and like energetic. Um, Would you say the action is packed? It is packed. It's uh, f- frenetic, uh, phonetic, and energetic. <laughs> I'm just going to keep staring at you because I'm confused. <laughs> Dave, take the ball. <laughs> oh, oh, thanks for that. But basically, it's a lot faster paced than Rogue Legacy, which the other side scroller we already mentioned. Yeah. It is very, very fast. It's like a fighting game, more than Rogue Legacy is. Yeah. And every monster will kind of have like a wind-up for an attack, but there can be multiple monsters on various different heights coming at you from all angles. It's Dark Souls. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of, you actually can roll out of the way. Ah, you okay. can jump, you can roll. If you're in the air, you can do a down jump to kind of like slam and deal damage and stun enemies. Yeah. Goomba smash. <laughs> Fuck you, Goomba. And you also have a variety of weapons. <laughs> so you always have the option of like a primary and a secondary. Yeah. Which you can use both. So you might have a bow, you might have a shield or a sword. Mm-hmm. The sword might have bleed stacks might put oil on somebody and you can trigger with fire damage. Right. You have a lot of options and you also have other active abilities. You might shoot out a grenade or some other trap mm-hmm. to go with everything else. Got a, a lot of options for how you approach combat, how you're going through this then. Yeah. 
what's the uh, what's the goal of dead cells what are you trying to accomplish there's an end boss eventually mm-hmm. yeah but you can essentially just go through uh, each area and it starts off in the same one but then you kind of have some branching paths mm-hmm. for where you want to go like, i remember Another... there's sewers uh, at some point yeah which poison about, you if you go in. I think it's as far as I got. <laughs> I pl- again, I didn't play this one as much as literally everyone listening to this podcast. But at the end of each level or area, mm-hmm. you essentially go to the sky and you hand in all the souls that you've collected up until this point. Mm-hmm. And you can use them to unlock certain weapons or upgrades that you've gotten blueprints for throughout the level. Mm-hmm. Or put more points in them to make them better. But... You have to find the weapons and upgrades throughout the level itself. Gotcha. So you might start off with like, hey, you have the option of these three weapons. Choose what you want and go. Mm-hmm. But then you might find another weapon. You're like, well, I'll swap this out because this is more of an aggressive damage type that I want. Or maybe pick up something a little more utility. Right. And you can also get an upgrade for um, red, purple, and green. I think those are the colors yeah i'm not sure are those like, like a article are those like uh resources or it's essentially item types okay so red's gonna be more damage based purple would be kind of your split between damage and utility gotcha and then whatever the fuck the other color is will be more of your utility so it might be more cooldown based all right all right i see so certain weapons might be half red half purple so you'd be like well i'm gonna upgrade my red stat yeah. That would uh, help yeah. half of your weapon out, essentially. Right. I'm not... So, usually, uh, I'm, I'm guilty of asking, like, leading questions, getting you to say things and things. I just realized how much of this game has actually changed since I played it. Oh, uh, it's Back in decent, early uh, access. Oh, yeah. I'm just like, I'm not BSing. I literally <laughs> don't know what you're talking about anymore. <laughs> but that's actually... That sounds really cool, though. Um it sounds like this has a lot more mid-game progression to it than something like Rogue Legacy, where Rogue Legacy kind of front loads all of your meta progression, where you're buying upgrades right off the gate. Uh, it sounds like a lot of your progression is happening in the middle of the, the game, more like Binding of Isaac. Yeah. So you always start off with a naked guy, right. and you get your... <laughs> I know I do. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay to be gay, that's what I'm saying. Yes. Best so trait. <laughs> You take your two weapons and you just go, but your playstyle might change based on what you find. Right. So I know you have a shield where you can actually counter weapon attacks. Mm-hmm. Um, typically, I like to go lightning whip because it's the best. Right. And you can kind of just spam it, and it kind of like homes in on enemies. It doesn't do a lot of damage on its own, but if you can get something to boost the damage, it's really fun. Yeah. And they also have a precision whip. Where if you hit somebody just the right distance, it crits and does a fuck ton of damage. Yeah. Naked guy with a lightning whip. Naked guy with precision whip. I don't know I like if they how, changed... like, as soon as I said naked guy, you just, you had this grin on your face and you're like, I'm going to make a comment about this. Right. I was like, what's, what's your favorite weapon though, Dave? I'm going to say the whip. <laughs> I like my naked guy to have a whip. <laughs> I like how uh... you're just sitting on the naked guy. <laughs> Oh, man. This what do you pod- title this podcast? This it- podcast is going places. <laughs> I just don't know where. <laughs> oh, man. But it's another game I would definitely recommend you check out again. Mm-hmm. Which is, it's not a hard sell for me since I already own it. I don't have to pay any money. <laughs> yeah, just, you probably have already downloaded the up- updates without it, It's probably knowing. true, yeah. It's patched in the background. 
I could walk away from the podcast right now and check it out. Jake but I'm not going to do, <laughs> do that, though. Oh, man. Yeah. But they keep um, upgrading it and changing things based off of, like, community feedback or, like, hey, we could probably improve this here. Oh, yeah. And they've been really responsive with it. I know the community has been pretty involved. Mm-hmm. And I would just, I've always enjoyed it. I usually pick it up for, like, a little bit at a time. It's another one of those nice, fun to pick up. You can go through a run 15, 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. It usually takes, like, a minute for me. Then I have to start a new run because of time. <laughs> Some people last longer than us. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. But anyways, Dead Cells. Uh, yeah, it seemed really solid when I played it. I'll have to go back and give it another pass. Um, it's The art style also jumped out to me. Uh, yeah, I really like, like how, how uh, like flashy it is and how well animated. Um a lot of times with roguelikes, it goes hand in hand with just pixel art um, or kind of really basic things. And it's not to de- demean that. That can be perfectly fine and fun. Um, Undertale was a good game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Some would even say a good game. <laughs> uh, but uh, no, it's it's clear that they put a lot of effort into this. And there's a lot of, uh, we've already had an episode on early access games. We know it can turn to absolute trash at a moment's oh notice. God, yeah. I'm glad that's not the uh, the path that uh, Dead Cells is taken. Also, to elaborate a little bit on the animation Jake was talking about, Mm -hmm. it is 2D side-scrolling, but for the character animation and the enemy animations, I believe it's some type of 3D modeled Hmm. thing stuffed into 2D. Interesting. It has a weird look and feel to it, but it's just really nice, and the animations are all very smooth. Huh. And again, because you have some of that platforming, the controls are tight. (laughs) Yes. Because, again, if the controls are bad, it would make the game bad. <laughs> the platform. controls aren't tight, it just ain't right. Yeah, that's... Day for Congress. <laughs> when Stanley came to a set of two open doors, he entered the door on his left. Slave Aspire. Different type of game. Uh, probably less of a direct fighting game. Yeah, there's no, there's no platforming. There's right. no... North, Top south, down. east, west, yeah. But there is some RNGZ. That's basically all the game is. Just RNG. There's nothing else there. Nah. Yeah, I get fucking fucked over RNG, and it's not <laughs> skill-based at all. So I uh, I heard about this because my friends would just not stop circle-jerking about it. <laughs> Essentially, this is one of those titles. Um, and then I, I heard that it was a deck builder, which I didn't realize at all when I just saw it on Steam. I'm like, ah, I will purchase this product. <laughs> And then I played it like twice, so again, you're gonna rely on all of your experience. But it, wow, it was, Jake, thanks for the the upsell on that one. Yeah, no, it was actually it was quite fun though. Um, I like the the premise quite a lot. It's uh, you you start off you pick I think when you start off there was only two uh, character classes available yep. at the time. They've since added some, but you still unlock them, I believe, by uh, completing like a run or challenges. Um, but uh, it's a it's a deck builder. Start off with a basic deck. Work your way through some encounters, beat some guys up, get some cards. That's the, that's the core of it, but it has a lot more than that. I think. Um, there's. Can I elaborate on that simple description? <laughs> yes. Is there anything you'd like to add to my full summary of what oh the game God. is? I, I, got, I got the mic now. So <laughs> we just push this towards you, and <laughs> you have two classes which you can access at least from the base game after you've unlocked them. Uh, one is the ironclad. Mm-hmm. 
And both characters start off with kind of simple attack and defense cards, deal six damage, or protect next five incoming damage. Right, get some block up there. And you have action points, and each card will take a different number of action points. Mm -hmm. So once you've expended your action points, you pass your turn, then the enemy goes and does something. Yeah. But as you beat enemies, you can choose cards to pick from, Mm -hmm. and you kind of add more cards to your deck. So maybe you want something more aggressive, maybe you want something more defensive right um ironclad strategy is usually you want to build a lot of strength which Mm -hmm. ups your damage per card and then you just you're pounding out these insanely like single use like oh that's 30 damage right insane things whereas this hidden the silent yes we should really research it before we talk about it i i call him poison bro (laughs) might be a check i'm not actually (laughs) sure is a lot more combo based where you're doing like these dodges and building armor. Mm-hmm. We're also like throwing daggers. It also has a poison mechanic you can access. Yeah. And you kind of, again, get to choose your way to play. Mm-hmm. But the cards you get access to from beating enemies are all random. Right. But as you also kill enemies, you can accrue gold. And you can spend gold at shops to buy cards. Or possibly you have too many cards. You want to increase your draw probability for your good cards, mm-hmm. so you can pay money to remove a card from your deck. Right. Is this a is this a preview for the upcoming podcast where we talk about card games uh, with the concept of deck thinning? <laughs> yes. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. I'm I'm a fan of games like that where they have that layer of strategy. You can kind of be like, on second thought, all of these starter cards are garbage. So no. <laughs> yeah, that's one of the big things. Like. Obviously, you need them when you start out, but if you get a card that now provides twice as much block, Mm -hmm. you don't want a simple shield card. That's not useful to you. Right. So if you can find ways to burn it, that's always nice. Right. I I basically apply this in my own life. Like, when I'm receiving birthday cards, I get, like, the first batch, and it's, like, my parents, close family members, things. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you take take the $20 out first, and then you get rid of the card. Yes, exactly. Ah... I love all my family. They're good. <laughs> uh, but yeah, they have um, this progression system. I know that they also had uh, consumables um, that you could potions, get. Potions, yeah. yeah. Potions you can uh, chug. So you know it's an RPG when you can quaff potions. That's that's the key verb. If you can now. say quaff, you're, you're good. You <laughs> yeah. know you're in. <laughs> what were you doing? Quaffing. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was my favorite Pokemon, though. Quaffing. <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's a tangent uh, uh, we might be a little far off track here uh slay the spire though uh you kind of are slowly working your way up this map encounter by encounter um and it has some some level of choice so a lot of roguelikes have you uh moving from room to room and you uh, really have no idea what's going to be in the next room slay the spire gives you all that knowledge up front which i think is really cool they balanced around that like you could have a campfire where you could rest and you'll see exactly where that is on the map or you may have a combat encounter. Um, what does resting do? So, uh, if I recall correctly, resting would uh, regenerate some of your health. Um, and there were some other options you could do with the campfire. So, if you're like, hey, I'm already healthy enough, or I'm going to risk you know, going through low health, um, you could do something that I believe got you a card. Close. Um, you yeah. can actually upgrade one of your cards. That's what it was, yes. So, each card has a possible upgrade. Mm-hmm. So, maybe that five protection shield card will now be eight protection Uh 
but you have to upgrade it. But now it's consistently better. Yeah. There are also cards you can get, which will, when you're in an instance, mm-hmm. upgrade all of your cards for that sesh, that instance. That seems pretty good. It is insanely good. <laughs> Some of those upgrades were, like, legit awesome for cards, too. And now that you mention it, I remember the mechanic. That's something that's harder to pull off in real life. Like, when you're playing Magic against someone and you're like, I upgrade all the cards in my deck. And you go through and, like, take a Sharpie and start writing on them. Yeah. <laughs> One of the benefits of electronic card games in general is how much more you can play around with it. Right. Like, I know with Hearthstone, you can modify your opponent's deck or we, modify your own deck. We gotta save this for the for the card game. We'll do a card game Dave. podcast. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's what the people want. Right, right, right people? <laughs> people <laughs> now anyways uh i'd say that slay the spire is more uh more deck building than you know your transitional or traditional constructed deck every time you start off with uh, the same base deck uh, but you unlock more cards you can add to your pool so that's your that's your meta progression from a rogue roguelike standpoint right some of those bosses are also like a huge pain <laughs> oh my god yeah there's one that uh will change modes from like attack and defense yeah and then just poop out a lot of damage there's one that slows time and is a dick there's another one that it's like some kind of ghost (laughs) where it like builds counters and when it reaches like the last one it's like oh i'm gonna hit you for 180 damage (laughs) but i don't looks at health bar (laughs) looks you don't ever have that much health (laughs) but it's cool because you typically you're opponent will show the next action they're going to do oh that's right yeah so you can be like oh they're going to do like a status effect on me mm-hmm. which will maybe lower your resistance or make you deal less damage so mm-hmm. you always know kind of roughly what's coming next you can plan around it i kind of love that from a certain way because like from a game standpoint mechanic standpoint it's awesome that they flip the script and then they still manage to make an engaging game like how do people try to make things engaging or surprising they hide information from you you don't know what's in the next room you don't know what the monster is going to do next you don't know what he's charging up like slay the spire gives you all of that information and then just makes you more worried because of it because you're like am i making the right choice given that i have perfect knowledge and uh it's awesome another one of the things that can modify even that perfect knowledge is you can get access to certain items Mm. Where if you beat a boss, or they're called relics. Right. Beat a boss or like a special type of enemy, you can get access to a relic, which will usually give you a beneficial effect. But some of them come at a cost. Mm-hmm. Like maybe, oh, you have permanent extra damage, but you no longer see enemy intentions. Uh, okay. Or maybe you, you're capped at a certain number of cards you can play per turn. That is interesting. Or maybe you have an extra action per turn, but some other limitation. So they actually like, they, they take off the... Uh... The training wheels kind of make the game harder, but let you have some buffs. We Similar to the constellations in Bastion or Pyre, oh, yeah. reference to previous podcast, yeah. <laughs> um, you can make things harder for yourself, but you also get an additional benefit. So you're balancing that risk-reward at your own leisure. Yeah, that is really cool. I like that it's also uh, your choice to trade in. Like, so I can keep my training wheels and no enemy intention. Thank you very much. <laughs> but uh, the good players can go off and win. <laughs> I mean, if your deck's not good, you might not need it. Mm-hmm. But 
RNG will still fuck you over at times yeah. because every time you've played through all the cards in your deck, your discard pu- pile gets shuffled and then you get what you get. Yeah. So maybe you're like, oh, he's going to attack me next time for a lot of damage. I hope I draw some. And then it's all attack cards. You're like, fuck. <laughs> yeah. And they have a, they had a bunch of interesting effects on the cards too. Um, like I, I obviously can't recall all of them, but some of them are like single use. Um, some of them are like guaranteed to be in your opening hand, I believe. So you could kind of like prime your combo, yeah. Which I I love that. I love that strategic manipulation, which is a uh, key to the card games podcast. <laughs> uh, yeah, the the whole setup was great, and the game also had a, a tremendous flow to it. Like to activate your cards, you're dragging them off to the enemy, and it's kind of like almost a Yu Gi Oh duelist type. Like you wish you could throw the cards at your friend yeah. like while you're playing them. Now you can. You're just nicked with these various cardboard paper cuts. <laughs> yeah, I was playing card games with Jimmy. <laughs> you can never see Jimmy again. <laughs> and they also have a lot of animations um, for the characters themselves, mm-hmm. and a lot, if not all, of the cards. Yeah. And they've only upgraded it with time. Because I know initially it started out with, like, that's some flash-ass animation. <laughs> but now things look way smoother. I like that uh, that descriptor could be used in so many situations. <laughs> but I know exactly what you mean. Oh, no, no. The the, the programming language for the internet. Flash. Flash-ass. <laughs> yeah. No. Um, very solid, though. It's one of those uh, that I've wanted to go back and revisit now that a lot of progress has been made in development. And... Thankfully, much like Dead Cells, they uh, seem to have gone down the right path and uh, kind of wrapped it up. Because that one, um, the popularity for Slay the Spire just like exponential once once that ended up on Steam. Yeah, like day two was, hey, everybody's streaming this game. Yeah. Why? Because it's good. Yeah. I even streamed it for like two di- like a week or something. Yeah. Because it's just, it's a really fun game. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I know our good friend Mike was streaming that for a while as well. And that's that's awesome. Um, Twitch TV slash pseudo Mike Coffee. <laughs> yeah. He's way better at that than I am, though. Yeah. I was, I was watching him play, and he's, like, cycling through his own deck at, like, lightning speed, and I'm like, he's not actually making choices. <laughs> it's instinct now. He's just winning, uh, which, I don't know, it's 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 cool to see an expert at work, so. Uh, Slay the Spire. Solid game. Yeah, check it out. It's on Steam. Not that expensive. Five out of ten. And we have uh, some other games here that we, we wanted to talk about like a bit quicker. Um, we've covered a lot of games uh, to some level of depth, I think. Um, but there's others here that we thought were worth mentioning. We just wanted to go over them uh, relatively quickly here. One that I know that uh, I have played a lot and many of my friends have played is FTL, uh, Faster okay. Than Light. Yeah. I think I've heard of that one. Yeah. Uh, it was on Steam. It's been on sale plenty of times. Um, from a uh, roguelike perspective, that one actually has completely different combat. It's kind of like simulation ship versus ship combat. There's like boarding, attacks, things like that. Okay, nice. There's a bunch of really cool uh, mechanics for how you can go about fighting. So instead of just destroying the ship outright, maybe you want to salvage their ship, get a bunch of money. So you start a bunch of fires and deoxygenate their cabin. Their crew dies after suffocating, and then you take their ship. <laughs> Murder with variety. <laughs> Which is one of my favorite ways to uh, play the game. Uh, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, maps were dynamically generated, so key part of a uh, roguelike. And uh, just the aesthetic's really fun. Music's great, too. So I recommend FTL. Okay. 
I'm actually going to have to check that one out. That actually sounds pretty fun. Yeah, no, it's it's actually really cool. I can't believe I actually haven't heard about this game before. Yeah. That's that's weird. Yeah. It, pr- it probably sounds familiar, but it's, uh, you know, there's still people that haven't picked it up. So, uh, what else we got here? We got... Uh, Definitely want to hit on Monolith. Oh, yeah. Another fun game, uh, very similar to Binding of Isaac, mm-hmm. but you are a spaceship, and you can kind of move around and shoot in any direction. Right. Um, it's a lot more bullet heli than Binding of Isaac. has a lot of other cool mechanics. It is super fast. It is super cute. Uh, you have a lot of different weapons that you'll cycle through, right. and the weapons can have modifications. So maybe like you'll shoot a little laser, and it'll go through a wall once. Right. Maybe you'll have bouncing projectiles or rockets or other things. The bosses are all kind of nuts and fun, and it's just... It's a beautiful little game. Yeah, I saw you playing this one, actually. I really like the kind of, like, 80s, almost Atari aesthetic it's got going on there. Like a dark background. It's just usually mostly black and white or uh, very strong colors. You know, it's not um, not a whole bunch of... It's not a rainbow of no, anything. No, it's a simple <laughs> color palette, but it's yeah. like, these are the cool outlines of things. Exactly, Go nuts. Yeah. I like it. It looks really cool. Another one we have here is uh, Darkest Dungeon, which I know I, my friend Ian has played a lot. Uh, Darkest Dungeon is a more traditional dungeon delver that has a lot of um, Lovecraftian themes about the world. It's super oppressive, and it's one where you feel like you're always a couple steps from losing. And I've, I've played it a bit, and again, it's on the list of games I got to go back and play more. But uh, it's it's a fun time. Yeah, that game has really good style and just beautiful narration. Oh my gosh, the which, narration! One of the key things I like about the game is the theming. Mm-hmm. The mechanics are more so are less interesting to me, though it's still very enjoyable. Yeah. But it's just such a good feels game. Yeah, I was uh, I was going to say, I'm, I was probably done with the edits for this podcast, but I think it's worth throwing in one more. Women and men, soldiers and outlaws, fools and corpses. All will find their way to us now that the road is clear. Yeah, it's it's too good. Something that rhymes with Darkest Dungeon is Enter the Gungeon. Haha, <laughs> same game. It is actually. <laughs> it's another fun um, run around bullet hell. Insanely cute because all of your enemies are different bullets. Yeah. But one thing I like about the theming is if you have like a shotgun shell, mm-hmm. it's wielding a shotgun. <laughs> if you're facing a sniper shell, it will try and snipe you. Right. Et cetera, et cetera. And all the bosses are really coolly designed and have fun names. Mm-hmm. Also, different guns you can get are very very fucking silly right and they'll reference guns from across various media uh-huh. i know there's like the moon and night blast <laughs> there is like a gun that shoots guns there's yeah. guns that shoots the letters for bullets <laughs> you can shoot like a, a shipping crate yeah rocket launcher there's all tons of stuff it is really enjoyable and it also has a roll mechanic it has a setting up behind like, you knock over a table and use a barricade. Uh, it's a cover shooter. It's a cover-based shooter, is what you're saying. A little bit. <laughs> Maybe not quite. <laughs> yeah, I've heard a little bit about it, but uh, mostly I've, I've seen clips and things. Of it. it looks super frenetic and interesting. Um, but uh, next one up here we have is uh, Hand of Fate, which is not Enter the Gungeon. It's very completely different. Um, also kind of a deck-building game where uh, your first pass through... Uh, you're up against, uh, basically there's a narrator who is fate. He's uh, providing these events for you. You, in traditional roguelike style, go room by room. 
um, and the rooms are encounters. So one might be like, hey, you're at an inn, and you see like a goblin, how do you encounter, like how do you respond to his inquiries, things like that. And uh, then there's rules to see how successful you're going to be. So this is basically like a tabletop game. The trick is, after you've gone through, completed this, uh, the combat is, uh, I use a controller, but it's like third person fighting. Um, so if you're good at the combat, it actually helps you in the game. It's very much a different style than everything else the game does. Um, you go through, beat a final boss, and it's like, great, good job. Uh, we'll complete this deck. We'll move you on to the next uh, challenge, and you'll unlock some cards that you can choose to shuffle into your deck. And those cards are encounters that you can roll when you go through your next playthrough. So you can choose to be like, I'm going to forgo all of the difficult encounters, but I won't be able to get the cards those would unlock if I completed them or something like that. Um, but if you throw all the hard stuff in your deck, then you're going to screw yourself over when you get like literally no healing items. Yeah. Um, and I, I really like that whole setup. I think it's uh, an interesting approach to the roguelike genre. Might check that one out. Yeah. <laughs> that one's cool. And then the last one we have here is the true spiritual successor to Mega Man 20XX. Mm-hmm. It is Mega Man game, essentially. Yes. Not actually licensed by Capcom, but somebody made it and it's beautiful mm-hmm. and it's platforming. You have a melee character similar to Zero nice. and you have a ranged character similar to Mega Man. Right. And you go through these different stages. You can, I think, choose where you can start out and then where you branch off to. Mm-hmm. And it has platforming and enemies and you can get upgrades and things and specials off of the bosses you beat. Right. Much like kind of Mega get, Man. Yeah. Like I said, true spiritual <laughs> successor. Yes. But one thing I really like about it is the level generation is always random. Mm-hmm. But also, as you progress further, um, each boss and area will get harder. Right. So let's say you're like, well, I can do the ice area now or I can do it later. Mm-hmm. Fuck it, I'll do it later. When you come back to it, because you passed it over and you're doing it like seventh instead of like first or second. Right. There's way more enemies the area itself is much more challenging with more pitfalls and traps. And then the boss itself will have harder mechanics and be faster and yeah. shoot more. No, that's awesome. I know we were talking about this a little bit earlier and you said that the, um, you, you were appreciative of the fact that they put that much effort into the bosses to actually have multiple difficulty levels, uh, all the way through these tiers, right? Like, uh, I think that that level of, um, adaptation kind of in this procedural roguelike programming is legitimately awesome. Yeah, it's definitely a show of commitment. Yeah. Which Capcom did not have. (laughs) Fuck you, Capcom. Yeah. Also, thank you for Monster Hunter. Also, Also, um, fuck you for Monster Hunter. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Exactly that. The other boon of this is it does have multiplayer. Yeah. I was actually playing with Justin for a bit, and that was a bang in time. Yeah, you actually played with me, too. I uh, played uh, at your apartment a bit. Um, I played as Zero, who is a uh, protagonist in a popular anime. And uh, <laughs> he also is a, a sword wielder, I guess, in Mega Man universe. But uh, it was really cool. It was, uh, it's, it's kind of fun that they threw that in there. Like, it's, I, don't, I don't know. You could correct me. Tell me if I'm, I'm wrong. But I don't believe previous Mega Man games really had a co-op uh, type system to them, did it? No. Yeah, I was gonna be like, you're just if like, yes, was, they all did. Jake, you're very, a fool. It's not known to me, and it probably wasn't that great. Yeah. So 
it's really cool when they go uh, beyond and uh, kind of complete the complete the series, round it out. It was legit. Yeah, and they also kept the tight controls of Mega Man, mm-hmm. which I know is one of the. It's a platform. Yeah, the earliest things <laughs> for it, even from the original Mega Man days. Also, they did keep the dash jumping from Mega Man X. Yeah. So what's what is dash jumping? Because that might have helped me not die. <laughs> so you can either dash and jump off an edge to go further, mm-hmm. or you can do a dash jump where you just press both buttons at the same time and go off. Uh, that will also allow you to clear more distance if you're essentially jumping vertically between things. Okay. And it helps for a really much faster gameplay. Interesting. Which is just rewarding when you can pull it off. Yeah. I probably shouldn't have known about that, but that's all right. <laughs> that's all right. So, yeah, I would say if roguelikes are your thing, uh, check out some of these titles. Yeah. They're all good, and we did not even mention all of them yeah most of these we weren't even paid to mention yeah most of them we weren't yeah so. fuck you capcom <laughs> yeah but please keep giving us money <laughs> yeah we're not though uh i'd like to thank everybody for joining us for another episode of soapstone and we'll see you in the next one should we mention the gmail or facebook or do they, yeah do they... sure yeah why not we'll throw it in here too uh if you want you can like us on facebook at facebook.com slash soapstone podcast and send us your feedback. Uh, if you want to hear about a specific episode, a topic, something that's interesting to you, uh, send it in to soapstonepodcast at gmail.com, and we will read it, even if we never respond. We'll probably respond, too, because we, we barely ever get emails. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, also feel free to discuss this on Facebook. We we'll, uh, sometimes have funny comments. Uh, that Well, Dave has funny comments. I just have comments um, when people uh, discuss the podcast. So we appreciate it. Yeah, I know some people out there have definitely played some of these games. We'd love to hear your thoughts and feedback. Oh, yeah. We covered a lot of games, so, like, we're spreading the net wide for this one. <laughs> there better be one fucking comment, is all I'm saying. <laughs> yes. If no one posts a comment, I'm just going to post my own comment, and it'll be it'll be sad, so don't, don't make me do that. Jake and I will post in the Soapstone account back and forth to each other. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, we'll see you, everybody. Bye.